The Great Canadian Talk Show. There's only a couple of watts, but I brought the truth to everyone within three blocks of the west side of campus. No way! Yes way! And now, let's get right down to business with Marty Gold. Welcome to the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast. This is episode 34, and I'm Marty Gold. Off the top, a lot of activity relating to the most recent batch of podcasts, and I can tell you that over the past, I guess it's seven weeks or so, that I would say three or four of our top-rated of all uh, podcasts of all time in terms of listenership have been over the course of a very recent period, and the other ones are not slouches either. And so there is momentum, and I encourage all of you, I don't say this often enough, your coworkers should be listening to this program and to our reports. Your friends, people you socialize with that care about the community, and especially people that say they aren't certain they're getting the news they need, the information they need, the background they need for media outlets that pepper them with, uh, I mean, can you be peppered with fluff? I guess. But certainly peppered with narrative. And uh, many years' experience on this side of the table in uh, dissecting and uh, disassembling those kinds of things. And so even from June, the beginning of June, violent marauding teens and preteens sowing fear across Winnipeg. That had a big audience, and I got more listens after the murder downtown, and I'm now learned that apparently I know of a family who had a child that was present when that 17-year-old boy defending his mother and his sisters was violently killed by a mob of teens and apparently somewhere in the range of 12 pre-teens. We were talking about that weeks before it happened. This ongoing problem. And I'm going to go back to this problem of violence, especially in that case where it started with uh, uh, four or six uh, girls under the age of 17. 16 and under, I think, is, is uh, safe from the police and news reports. And they didn't attack the boy. They attacked a girl. We're going to get into that thread, that, that theme um, in the uh, meat and potatoes of this podcast. But just touching on, you know, what we do here, why it's important, why we want to make it as steady and as fruitful as possible, um, and why there's a need for this in the community, because nobody else talks about these things. And we've been ahead of the curve how many times? Uh, Alone, and anybody who puts their voice out there, I stated the trend was in the realm of politics, that the... NDP under Wab Canoe had peaked and was not gaining any new support. And all this, uh, these other commentators and writers and reporters with their, with their, with their own version of events, uh, the conservatives were surefire losers and blah, blah, blah. Now it's a horse race and it's a tie game in the poll in June, which was going to be the last one before the writ was dropped, according to, the, to that pollster. Only here have you heard about the, the biz organizations and members revolting against bike lanes, including preventing a bike lane plan in Transcona that they were, the, the city was trying to, the consultants were trying to walk right past 
the businesses affected, not just the ones that are, you know, where the parking spots are in front of them. It's like, oh, well, you know, nobody actually parks, you know, like parks around the neighborhood kind of thing when you go shopping in Transcona or anywhere else. That was nonsense. And this was secret for months that the Transcona biz had successfully fought this and forced the city to go back to the drawing board. That was an exclusive report. The Provence biz fighting back. I don't know that anybody else actually published their statement or read it on the uh, out out loud for the public to hear exactly what the issues were. And once again, lack of consultation being cited and and no sensitivity, you know, no sense about the importance of business in those kinds of districts where the bike lobby has an outsized influence because a variety of tricks that are played with the consultation process. Uh, and the next thing you know, uh, bike lanes are are being proposed. And uh, and the media goes merrily along, and none of them have reported that on Marion and Goulet, on Provence, on Regent Avenue, the biz members and organizations say they weren't consulted, that their concerns were ignored, that it's going to be ruinous to their business. Two of the three that I mentioned are fighting it. You don't hear that anywhere in the media. I wonder why not. Climate change. See how it affects reporting. Our last r- report uh, earlier this week, why Abi Khan must investigate anti-Semitic athletes at the University of Winnipeg Collegiate, a serious topic. The, I'm the, the only reporter in town who's dug into this, what was said, what was done at the Jewish campus by players from the University of Winnipeg, and why it's important for the sports minister to step in, because educators wanted to go away to protect other educators, to protect the coaches, and to protect the culture at the University of Winnipeg. On that campus. I say that out loud. I'll say that right to any politician's face that wants to run for election and wants your vote. They all talk big words when it comes to big important things. But where the rubber beats the road, a lot of them aren't, aren't uh, they're prepared to actually get behind the wheel and steer. We're just trying to push them to some better behavior, some accountability. And part of that comes from hearing about... Um, situations, hearing about cases, getting tips. And I got a doozy next week that touches on the city of Winnipeg itself and a public amenity that uh, I'll be putting out probably on Monday. Nobody else has has really talked about this. Uh, Your tips. And so the more people listen, the more people support this program, whether they're advertising, sponsoring segments, uh, uh, supporting us through, through, PayPal and uh, and uh, th- through Interac uh, by email, you know, you know, or emailing me with regards to other arrangements. That's what it takes. And without that kind of support, you're not going to get this. Look at all this information. I stack up what we've done here since about May the thirtieth. I was also a doozy. Madelard's bus fantasies interrupted by harsh reality. That is now her third ranked, most listened to of all time where the public told Madelard exactly what's going on with transit and how dangerous it is. We focus a lot on public safety. But I stack up these headlines and these stories against any Trudeau-subsidized newsroom, any corporate newsroom, which are all downsizing anyways and are purged in many cases of of the people with uh, institutional memory. I have lots. So uh, I'm just reiterating this. Uh, to encourage you all, the audience is growing. There is momentum. I'm heading into that provincial election. 
I'm talking with people that are interested in trying to make sure that this coverage takes place. I need more help. It's a full-time job. And I want to be able to do as good a job as possible covering the election so that information about the candidates gets out, so they are asked questions and we know their answers, so that voters are well-informed. And so that, and as well, that the issues that are important, that are crucial, are put before the political leadership of whatever stripe. I know that the work we've done for the last 15 years has made the lives of a number of people better. Helping people in cases where relatives have died in emergency rooms, uh, where the uh, public trustee moved in aggressively on one family and wouldn't let the family take control of their parents' lives again and their parents' bank accounts. The meth call that, uh, that a number of people thought was a seminal moment in Winnipeg Radio after uh, the police gunned down a, an errant meth, high on meth, uh, I can't remember if the car was stolen, I think it was, in the West End, and, and uh, his girlfriend called in to the radio, to our drive-home program, and talked about, this was before anybody was talking about meth in this city. This is like 2008, early 2009. Often, we are ahead of the curve. Often, we know things the rest of the media either doesn't know or doesn't want to talk about. So keep at it on your end. Keep listening. Keep encouraging people to join the Facebook group. Follow me on Twitter at TGCTS. Email me at martygoldlive at gmail.com with their news tips, their suggestions. We get some encouraging words. And I'm going to continue to do my best to provide you with coverage of the issues. With some analysis and opinion that you aren't going to hear anywhere else. that's going to make things better. Sometimes what makes things better is talking about things and talking about, you know, there's a story and then there's what's behind the story. Sometimes newsrooms aren't so eager to talk about those things, but I am. Because of you, the Great Canadian Talk Show has made headlines for over 15 years and forced important issues to be acknowledged and dealt with. The problem here is that they want everything their own way in every situation. It's unpalatable to the general public, but they're frozen out by the process. There is no funding to pay the bills for holding the government accountable. They just see money. Of course, it's your tax dollars, but it's being spent on their pet projects. We're on your side. A lot of these people in special interest groups, they don't bear any relationship to your life out there. They don't have any handle on what your reality is in your neighborhood. Support old-fashioned investigative reporting that matters. The best source of information is not the city councillor. It is this program and you listeners. Support TGCTS today. The Great Canadian Talk Show podcast is brought to you by Midpoint Auto. Vehicle sales at wholesale pricing. 1.99% financing on new cars. 6.99% financing on great used vehicles. Cars, trucks, vans, SUVs. That's not all. Off-road vehicles, campers, snowmobiles, dirt bikes, even boats. If you're in the market for something with an engine, then that's the place you want to go. Midpointautomotive.ca, the phone number, 833-997-9930. Again, that's 833-997-9930. Midpoint Auto, bad credit approved, good credit rewarded. If you're a listener of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast, let them know by giving them the promo code. T-A-L-K. 
the word talk. That's the promo code, and you're sure to get a great deal from Midpoint Automotive. The Great Canadian Talk Show is brought to you by The Hive Hair Company. From classic to funky, the styles of your life are at The Hive in the heart of the Osborne Village at 175 Osborne. Call 452-4483 or online, thehivehaircompany.com. The province has decided that it will not fund a search for two murdered women at a private landfill. And when that news came out, as we say in Yiddish, the geshreng started. Particularly from the AMC, Assembly Manitoba Chiefs, and Kathy Merrick, uh, who uh, argues that the province's concern about the safety of workers for this massive $184 million undertaking, uh, that the study that was put together, that uh, the, the, those elements were discussed and could be managed, province of Manitoba, not wanting to take on, and nobody uses this word in the news reports I've seen so far, uh, the way Eileen Clark, uh, actually is a Clark, uh, the Indigenous Reconciliation Minister and Premier Stephenson, a joint statement, the search process described in the report as complex, that's true, and comes with long-term health, human health and safety concerns that simply cannot be ignored. So you see the AMC claiming, no, no, this was dealt with in that study that they prepared that came up with $184 million estimate and uh, came off um, in, in to some measure, to some extent, in the minds of a lot of people as a make-work project, a very expensive make-work project, considering it takes three years to do uh, and so the province, not wanting to accept, here's the word you don't hear anywhere, liability for provincial workers that would be involved in something because you've got to, yeah, this this is complex, dangerous gases, uh, dangerous footing, uh, all sorts of, uh, of mishaps could occur in the course of a dig uh, of, of that nature. Uh, we know because a relative of one of the victims leaked the that uh, report, the feasibility study, they call it, which even CBC admits the feasibility study outlined concerns about health and safety, recommending on-site hazardous materials teams to monitor air quality, act as safety officers, and form decontamination of personnel who work closely with evacuated materials. Now, what's going on here, to some extent, is a kind of emotional blackmail. They have a suspect. A, and notice that none of the news stories now mention this guy was Nazi adjacent. So for some reason, all of a sudden, that part isn't, isn't being mentioned. I find that kind of weird. Uh, maybe we'll have to try to figure that out another time. But they have a suspect in the, uh, in the, the two deaths in question. He's also charged with uh, two other murders. And Kathy Merrick uh, didn't expect to hear, and the family members, uh, didn't expect to hear a decision from the province yesterday. They thought they were getting some sort of an update from the premier and from that minister. Uh, it's only one step back. We're going to move two steps forward after this. I don't know how they think they're doing that uh, unless Mark Miller, federal uh, minister, it's easy for the feds. The feds dump this on the province. It's easy for the feds to pay lip service to this. Uh very easy, as a matter of fact, and, and fits with Trudeau's M.O. 
of a lot of lip service. Let's see if they're going to pony up 184 mil. And if they're going to think that elders and these, uh, of course they will. They're going to think it's fine that people have nothing to do with the actual excavation or or or, or the safety of the site or anything. That uh, you have all these these adjuncts uh, that are going to get paid 1,800 a day, 2,400 a day. Like the numbers, the per day numbers were crazy, crazy numbers. Uh, I I don't know which steps forward they think they're going to take unless they're going to like try to blockade private property and create a bad scene. Uh, the province saying it won't fund a search, but it's not going to stand in the way of the feds backing one. Uh, and so Mark Miller, the Crown Indigenous Relations Minister, uh, has not yet finished reviewing the uh, the study. Uh now, a question posed by one of the chiefs. If this was your loved one that was in the landfill, wouldn't you do everything in your power to bring that person home? You can't just push us aside and act like our voices and opinions or our lives don't matter. Well, nobody, I think, has pushed aside anybody's voice or opinions. It's a difference of opinion. And whereas it's understandable, you know where a body is, roughly speaking, and you do anything, you want to do anything in your power to try to bring it home. Uh, ultimately, when a body's in a river, because they jumped off a bridge or their their boat or canoe or or whatever capsized or they were swimming and didn't come up sooner or later guess what the authorities stopped dragging the river they stopped searching in the water now some commentators over at the failing broadsheet newspaper they previously at the end of november claimed that this had something to do with human rights i'm not although uh, although there is dignity owed uh any deceased and their remains on a practical level i don't think the deceased have human rights and people make this argument of the human rights of the deceased it's it to me it's a it's bizarre um and Again, it, it, it's, it's a twisting of... And you know, one thing I want to make clear. When I, I have heard people directly say, whoa, if these women were Jewish. No, that's absolute bullshit. The Jews of Winnipeg know, the Jews anywhere know, that you have to weigh various factors, including cost and safety. In our tradition, you don't risk a life uh, you know, pikuach nefesh, saving of life, is paramount. Don't go risking lives to to an unreasonable extent uh, in these kind of recovery efforts. So, no, Jews wouldn't be outraged, and that's nonsense. Now, in the cost, one hundred eighty-four mil. So, this is a it comes across like a kind of blackmail and larceny. I told Stephenson, said the uh, daughter of one of the victims, she was re-traumatizing my family and I found it disrespectful. Well, yeah, I wasn't there. I don't know if Premier Stephenson should have handled this a different way. Re-traumatizing? No, the trauma was caused by the Nazi murderer, toots. That's just ridiculous. The Premier's traumatizing your family? I understand there's heightened emotions. But the scope of this is just, you know, this is re- this is a stand-in for bigger issues in society. Uh, 
The government said it's offering support to the victims' families and is continuing to address the many sources of violence against indigenous women and girls. Let's skip then, since the province says it's addressing the sources of violence against indigenous women and girls, let's skip ahead to the next story. Again from CBC. She didn't deserve what happened, boyfriend says, of a woman found dead at Salvation Army. And that murder in the one-hour block of Henry where they're looking for a 40-year-old uh, in the death of a 26-year-old girl, uh, 26-year-old woman, uh, the media didn't report at first exactly where this occurred. It took days for it to come out uh, that this was uh, in the Salvation Army, uh, outside the Salvation Army. Uh, uh, she had been attacked many times previously and was found dead inside now, I'm not clear from reading the story if she was attacked outside, made her way back inside, didn't report it to anybody. It looks like this was an inside job. And it appears that she was uh, staying on the women's floor, third floor, I think, where she had done previous interviews. Now, I found out about this pretty immediately where it was, actually, because one of our supporters is friends with a relative of the deceased, Fallon Johnson. Uh, and so I learned the details about this tragedy and waited, and it took until uh, July 4th, I guess it was. It might have actually been like for uh, late in the day on July the 4th. For the, no, no, it was first thing July 4th, I stand corrected. It, it took days for it to come out. Uh, yeah, it was June 26th, it was the murder. And nobody talked about where it happened for like a week. That's pretty serious. That's something that the kind of violence that the premier in this statement with Eileen Clark, they say they're addressing the many sources of violence against Indigenous women and girls. Well, let's talk about it. One of the sources of violence is Indigenous women and girls attacking other Indigenous women and girls. And this case being one of them. What's really important is the boyfriend of the victim Uh saying they're definite, there's definitely change that needs to be happening down here, meeting around the area of Maine and Higgins. People call it no man's land. Nobody cares what happens to them. The deceased had been interviewed and had talked about wanting to see safety changes in and around the shelter. A lot of people, says the boyfriend, a lot of people view it like they're sent here to die and unfortunately that's one of the situations that happened to her. Just imagine this. This woman was interviewed, 26, about the, as CBC puts it, the vulnerability of women struggling to find housing given the city's lack of shelter space specifically for them. Well, that could solve a lot of problems right there, but somehow, and hey, the NDP didn't have one either. Wasn't a priority for Greg Salinger. I don't understand why there is not a women's First of all, there should be a domestic violence shelter for men. And secondly, there should be a homeless shelter, uh, you know, emergency shelter, specifically for women. Not having those facilities is one of the things that drives up first responder costs. Residents of the shelter, the CBC story says, spoke of a volatile atmosphere right outside its doors and a culture of fear when it comes to standing up for others. It's open game. As soon as you're on the sidewalk, you're on your own. This was from a guy who's lived at the Salvation Army for more than a year. Pointing out there's cops at the Millennium Library, but the area outside the Salvation Army is more dangerous. 
Now, just think of what the, what what we're hearing. The victim industry sets up shop around uh, Higgins and Maine, which has been a dubious area era area rather. Uh, going back to even my father's day, visiting uh, our uncle Abe at Hallmark Jewelers. You know, we knew his heads up hockey around there, and certainly, uh, you know, at night when I started driving cab, the Occidental had a boy. They had a murder there, as I recall, in the early eighties. The Savoy, the Brunswick, the Manwin, the Occidental, these, uh, and I know I'm missing a couple, uh, these were cornerstones of a subculture in that neighborhood that the closing of the bars, the neighborhood hasn't been able to shake it because the services that have established there have perpetuated the cycle of, uh, of a lack of safety in that neighborhood and the failure of Thunderbird House too. Now, this guy that they interviewed that's been at the Salian for years says, how much money do people have to make around here before we actually get police here and security to protect us? Well, who needs to be protected, especially women? This goes back to the provincial government. And what a, something nobody wants to talk about, but a number of the dangers that are occurring in and around the Main Street Strip and down Higgins and in North and South Point Douglas, North Point Douglas where the fire was, A number of those problems are being caused by the homeless encampments in North and South Point Douglas. And I've mentioned on this program that I've heard from people in North Point Douglas. I've been privy to some of their conversations. And I'm not going to go into details now, but it is very clear that the warning bell was when that woman was immolated. Uh, there's been two deaths that I've heard uh, heard about at uh, affiliated or associated with homeless encampments. And the people committing these murders, the culture around these camps, and I'm saying outright, I've been around. Not every encampment, there you'll have encampments of people that are gathered together to try to protect each other because they are more vulnerable and meeker. And then you've got these you know, creeps, predators, Violent types, deranged, psychopaths, what have you, that victimize them. The violence downtown drives people that are trying to escape the violence and are homeless or living rough, as they put it, into St. Boniface and into Fort Rouge, where in some cases the violent ones chase them. Realize, hey, it's, it's not as violent over there. I'll go there and I'll be, you know, I'll be king shit around here. Right? They escape the pecking order downtown. They try to establish a new one in other neighborhoods. Some of this would be solved by women having a homeless shelter. Some of it would be solved by the city of Winnipeg, which fell into a dangerous trap thanks to Mayor Brian Bowman, tolerating homelessness, where, from a number of sources, I was told the police were instructed not to respond or take action against certain kinds of criminal behavior, including people banging in somebody's garage they broke into and got caught. The cops just let them go. So the lawlessness rooted in Brian Bowman's regime, aided and abetted by a city hall that is more worried, you know, they're always more worried about bending over backwards about the rights of criminals, the rights of people who are socially dysfunctional, 
And we'll see if this murder wakes them up. We'll see if the murder defending those two girls downtown, whether that wakes anybody up. They're still talking a, a bit of a game. Although, you know, the silence of the women on city council is perverse. That they aren't front and center. Bellowing. But I guess you can't exactly, really precisely, you could try to blame, I don't know who, oppression, colonialism, white supremacy. Ultimately, these murders are being committed by people who either should have already been locked up for their own protection or for the protection of people that are trying to keep the peace, homeless or not. Instead, this is what we get. A city council full of women councillors that are are on this subject just... And it, it touches on the wards of some of them. I understand for, for some it does not. I get that. I still think that they should... Like, I'm just baffled by this. That collectively they haven't raised their voices, especially on the subject of a of a shelter, an emergency shelter uh, for for homeless women. Think of all the money they toss around on diversity, this and equity, that, and 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 all this other horseshit. But an actual safe space for women like Fallon Johnson. The city can't find the, oh yeah, well, 27 mil upside down. Sure, I get it. And so, there's nobody trying to emotionally blackmail the city or the province over the death of this uh, woman inside the Salvation Army. There's nobody trying to blackmail the province over the murder of that 17-year-old boy a block from the cop shop defending his sister, his stepsister, and his mother. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm told that I actually know a kid who had the misfortune of eyewitnessing this carnage. I And I, I this is dreadful. Dreadful. And I've talked on this program. Nobody else talks about it. The ripple effects through society, the friends of the victims, the, the kids of the victims, in this case, a... Uh, uh, with those t- uh, two deceased, those ripple effects are substantial. Now, in this case, uh, the first case we cited, with the bodies evidently buried at the landfill, $184 million, I don't think the feds are going to pony up either. And it's hard for people to understand this, but these are not the first two bodies that were dumped in a bin that ended up in the landfill. They are two of the few where people, where the authorities have ever known there was a body. But there's been bodies have ended up guaranteed in whatever dump around this city or province. Not unheard of. It's awful, but it's happened. What happens if you take that 184 mil and you dedicate 10% of that, $18 million, to clean up the homeless encampments, getting people into rehab, getting them dried out, mental health supports, housing, temporary housing, helping the Salvation Army make their facilities safer. Take 10%. How much good comes from that, from that expenditure of the 18 mil? I'm not saying bodies shouldn't be recovered when it's possible. 
I am not saying to disrespect the dead, especially not people that were victims of a heinous uh, crime at the hands of a neo-Nazi. This element of this disproportion and this notion of, well, anybody else would be demanding... Nope. Anybody else would not be demanding the same thing. There's a point at which people, families understand and have been forced for centuries to understand that there's limits. How many unaccounted for bodies have there been in Europe, in South America, the American Civil War? That's what reality is. Thinking that society should pay for... uh, all sorts of adjuncts to a search and pay 1800 a day, 2500 a day for advisors or spiritual leaders or, or whatever, uh, the public doesn't have much of a taste for, for paying for that. This is, it, it, borders on, it borders on people being told you should pay for shame, you know, pay, paying for shamanism. It's, it's just, it's removed from people's reality because it deals with these positions that are proposed some of them deal with you know spiritual uh elements mystical elements surrounding uh this case the victims surrounds the victims in this case Uh, i think if they were from a different cultural background you'd have a there'd be a different argument uh, uh a different discussion ensuing But when you see a headline, she didn't deserve what happened. There should be a lot more attention paid to this case. And if the provincial government wants to tell the media, put out a statement, they're continuing to address the many sources of violence against Indigenous women and girls. And in this case, uh, at the Salvation Army, the suspect is a uh, 40-year-old Aboriginal appearance female, seemingly with prior experience with the police. What is the province doing about the violence against Indigenous women and girls being committed by Indigenous women and girls that we're seeing all over town? And it's horrifying. And it's affecting people. And it's affecting the community. Where is it falling apart? Where is that part of society, part of education, part of the schools, part of the uh, counseling, part of whether it involves CFS agencies, social work agencies, where is it falling apart and how do we patch that up? If the feds make a decision that they want to roll the dice with $184 million on this, then they can ride that into their next election. This government deciding that it wasn't a safe bet. A lot of people would agree with that. Again, as CBC put it, not doing the search could cause considerable distress. This was the report that had been, uh, the study, they called it. Not doing it caused considerable distress to the victims, family members, and indigenous communities across the country. That comes across, I mean, it's a factual statement. But you, you can smell the, 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 the calculation there. That there's a political calculation. The problem is deciding that the, un, the variables of liability for hundreds or thousands of workers over a period of three years at that kind of expenditure 
They don't have the, the taste for it. Uh, let's see if Wab Canoe says that he would fund it. I guess that'll be next on the campaign trail, eh? We're going to continue to keep an eye on uh, crime, public safety, as we have on this program. Going to continue to keep an eye on the provincial election and, of course, on City Hall. I'm trying to line up a few interviews with a couple of candidates in the upcoming provincial election, as well as with a uh, so-called pundit. Uh, And uh, as well, I'm going to try to be out in the field and uh, pick off a few more stories over the course of the next few weeks in the summer with your help. Again, your support very urgently uh, needed to be able to successfully uh, do the kind of reporting that's necessary, the kind of research, the kind of investigations that are necessary to bring information to you, to your friends, your family, bring different points of view, uh, and uh, try to restore some balance in the media landscape in Winnipeg and in this region, in particular as it comes to the provincial election. Uh, next week, I, I can't say exclusive, but the only time this was mentioned in the media, it was buried, uh, and I picked up on something that's just shocking, uh, and will it, it, it's touched on City Hall about a public amenity. I'm going to be, I know it's vague, but you're going to want to listen on Monday because it's good, and the headline's going to be pretty darn good too. It's going to be shocking, as a matter of fact. Uh, interviews, I said, coming up, and uh, and to the people in North and South Point Douglas, I'm keeping an eye on your situation. I, you've reached out and given me some background information. I'm going to continue to, to, to monitor that, and I'm a phone call away. For any of you people in neighborhoods, North End, I know, is suffering right now. They're not getting a lot of representation uh, to, for, uh, in, uh, from their MLAs. Uh, at least some people are saying that. Uh, they're, you know, MLAs are only paying attention to certain issues, not other issues. I get that. Uh, I'm here for you. And uh, we're going to continue to do our very best to expand this uh, platform, expand the reporting, the work we're doing, bring in some other voices, some other commentators, uh, and really make this a destination for Winnipeggers that want to stay in the know about what's going on around their world and, and around their community, because ultimately they want to be able to make sound, rational, and fair choices. In the end, anybody who listens to this program walks away knowing one thing when it comes to public safety, when it comes to holding the government and uh, officials, administrations, and bureaucrats accountable. They know that around this program, you have the power. Do you have a comment, story tip, or want to advertise or support the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast? Email tgcts1 at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group or follow us on Twitter at TGCTS. You have the power. Thanks for listening to The Great Canadian Talk Show. If you want to email Marty, send it to TGCTS1 at gmail.com or follow him on Twitter at TGCTS.